Economics is a profession that is notoriously male-dominated, and obviously that can have a big downside. For example, just recently, the Australian Productivity Commission released a report about the culture among the economists there, and it was very ugly in parts. But there's also some good news. This year's Nobel Prize in economics was awarded to a woman. Well, today we're going to meet someone at the peak of the profession of economics. She was determined to do something about the gender balance in her profession, and we're going to find out all about that on Dr. Rowe. You're listening to Dr. Rama with Steve Robson, bringing you the best of health, medicine and people. My guest today on Dr. Rama is senior economist, Dr. Leonora Rees. Welcome to Dr. Rama. Hi, Steve. Thank you very much for having me. Many of our listeners won't know a lot about your profession. What is economics all about? This is a great question to start off with, Steve, because there is a misperception out there in the wider public about economics and exactly what economists do. Often it's confused with finance and business. And yes, economics does involve finance and money. But if I were to sum up what economics is about in one sentence, I would say economics is about studying how we make decisions to optimise our well-being. It's about human behaviour and studying the choices and decisions we make to maximise our, our well-being and our quality of life. So it's much broader than what many people think it is and it's a, it applies across a range, a range of context and, and issues. Leonora, economics has a reputation for being fearsomely difficult to master. Uh, and I've heard that the Reserve Bank uh, not that long ago expressed concern over the gender balance among professional economists. And at the same time, I've seen data that suggests that the number of young women studying economics at high school is actually falling. Is economics a male-dominated uh, discipline? And if so, why is that? It's a interesting question to reflect on when you are in the profession and to think back as a student, often we just assumed it was a male-dominated profession, maybe a bit like maths and science, and just accepted that. And as our career progresses, it becomes clearer that the gender imbalance in economics is also a reflection of wider, not just historical traditions, but wider cultural factors as well. So women at the moment make up around about one third of all economists in Australia, but they're underrepresented in terms of positions of leadership, authority, often the public perception of economists, the economists we hear on the news, uh, is really dominated by that perception of it being a, a male-dominated field. And the history behind economics is that it's often closely linked to the study of um, politics and government. So the political ideology it really is a contest of, of a, a battle of ideologies, um, not just a um, objective um, science. And so I think with that history, it's meant that women's voices have often been squeezed out where they have existed and dominant forces about who do we perceive as 
leaders in society more generally has also shaped who do we turn to for wisdom and authority in economic decision making as well because a lot of what economics is about is about government decisions or business decisions control over resourcing and so because we know broad more broadly in society when we think about leadership who has authority who has power often it's associated with men and so i think it makes that that's helped to explain why in the field of economics it's come to be dominated by male voices because a lot of what we study is that act of decision making and the allocation of resources um but that's we we hope it is changing over time as we try to expand and become more inclusive and to to make it clear that economics is is not just about money and and finance but it is about human behavior because what that taps into is a wider cohort of people who care about care about a broader range of topics you know economics can be um applied to topics such as climate change and the environment and poverty and inequality and so by making that more visible in the in wider public debate about economics we hope that that will shift public perceptions but also um attract a wider cohort of people including more women and more gender diverse people so i think partly the reason coming back to your question why is economics so male dominated i think that narrow perception has really um, led to this this continuation of this concentration of um, very male dominated voices, and we haven't really done enough to really expand that perception of what economics is about. It's interesting that you say this. My understanding and experience is that organisations with diverse leadership tend to be more successful. A- am I correct there? Yes, there is a growing body of literature and, and research that points towards um, how teams, how companies, how uh, environments can be more effective, performance outcomes uh, can be improved when you have that diversity of viewpoints um, informing the process. And really what that does, it guards against groupthink and people all coming from the same background and therefore perhaps being a bit short-sighted um, in, in their perspectives and not thinking outside of the box or not thinking more broadly about potential shortcomings to their approaches. So that that is actually, that, that is growing and that often we, we refer to that as sort of the business case for, for diversity, how performance and outcomes can be enhanced when we have basically a more diverse range of perspectives. But we, it also adds layers of um, more robustness to how we go about our analysis. If you have um, differences of perspectives, that means that when we're analysing data or we're considering evidence, for example, we have to push harder to interrogate that data because we've got that internal process of really scrutinising it and questioning it from within rather than all thinking the same way. And I think also if we apply that to economics, what we've seen is as there's been more diversity um, within economics and particularly with more female voices, 
it's expanded the topics that are covered. So it's expanded policy making. It's for, for example, it's when we look at the COVID pandemic, it's meant that the experiences of, of women and carers and female concentrated industries got a lot more attention than they would have otherwise if we'd had that narrower range of perspectives and views. So it expands, it broadens our horizons by having that diverse range of lived experiences informing the process. Lena, one of the manifestations we see of these diversity issues is a gender pay gap. And uh, it's certainly an issue in medicine, a, a big and important issue. Is a gender pay gap important? And is there actually anything we can do about it? The gender pay gap is a signal of the range of factors that are at play that create different experiences, different opportunities for men and women right from the start, really, right from when they're deciding on their pathways in their careers, um, when they are deciding on who's taking the bulk of the caring and domestic chores at home. Um, and so that's, that pay gap is um, a reflection of this combination of factors, but it really is a reflection deep down of how we still have these gender stereotypes, these gender norms at play that steer um, choices. But then beyond that, it's also um, an indication of how bias is still in operation. So we still we still have this unexplained portion of the gender pay gap that can't be rationally explained by differences in experience or differences in education. There's still this remaining portion that really is more consistent with women having to jump higher hurdles uh, to, to, to reach the same outcomes as men and that perception that men perhaps are, are better suited um, to leadership or, or senior roles. And that can taint those decision-making process when we decide who's best suited for a promotion or, an, or um, a leadership role. And it's interesting because women have achieved actually higher than men in terms of educational outcomes now and they have for quite a while so you can't put it down to say women are less ambitious about their careers no because they're actually investing very heavily in their educational qualifications in medicine for example we know that um, the proportions of GPs are actually quite balanced when it comes to to um, gender but it's when we look at areas of speciality um, surgery and and more specialized areas where those gaps um, arise and what's particularly pertinent I think to the medical profession is one of the factors that's been identified as contributing to the gap is this notion that's been called greedy work which means that if you are in a job or a profession that demands excessively long hours like working overtime, staying back late, um, we see this in law as well there's a payoff to that. There's there's this extra bonus or extra re reward per hour of work, um, which means that if you have caring responsibilities or you're looking after your health or you have reasons that prevent you from being able to work those excessively long hours, which we know is proportionally more the case for women, that you are squeezed out of those 
greedy jobs and and that those higher returns for being available being on call and being available for the overtime the the bonuses so we see that in medicine we see it in a few other professions where these in finance as well where those gender pay gaps um especially once you factor in overtime and bonuses and all the, all those extra <laughs> extras it really widens and it's it's really this this culture of companies or organizations and employers um really um putting a lot of weight and expectation on their employees uh to work excessively we also know there's there's a risk there with burnout and fatigue and 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 mental health working excessive hours which is a whole other issue but it's um it has a very strong gender pattern so that's one example of this I guess we call it an implicit bias, which which creeps into the dynamics of workplaces and it helps to explain, um, it's one of several factors that helps to explain why we still see the persistence of this gender pay gap. Leonora, something I've been incredibly impressed with is the Women in Economics Network, the WEN, the WEN. I'd really love to hear more about uh, the WEN and its work. Oh, thank you, Steve, for acknowledging uh, the work work of WEN, our Women in Economics Network. So really, I mean, myself as an economist who studies gender inequality in the workforce, this was really an opportunity to look inwards to our own profession and self-reflect and say, well, we're, here we are analysing the rest of the workforce, the rest of the economy, but look at our own profession in economics. We know that it, it is unbalanced in terms of gender. Um, we know that there is evidence of these inequities. Um, let's not just dwell on the problem, but let's take action and do something about it and learn from the research and the evidence on what works to close gender pay gaps and gender gaps in general and um, apply that to our own profession. So when came about, it was in 2017 that we launched and it has really been a team effort where um, initially the idea came out of the Economic Society of Australia and a professor at University of Sydney, uh, Professor Deborah Cobb-Clark, approached the ESA and said, You've really got to do something here because um, we 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 need to mobilise in a way. We need to ensure women aren't lagging behind. That these these gaps are closed, and so they brought us together for an initial mentoring retreat. And it's there where the idea for when came about. And it really, the essence of when is how do we how do we reassure women that you are not alone, that you have a network, um, that you have colleagues and allies and other people just like you, role models you can relate to? How do we inform and support women's progress throughout their careers? And we expand across academia as well as the public sector, the private sector, the education space. But also coming back to some of your initial questions, how do we um, promote a culture that is inclusive and equitable and promote gender equality within economics, for example, the perception of economists more widely. So really just a step forward, how do we modernise the economics profession and learn learn from the research? And one thing I just highlight there is as economists, we really did look at the research. So we know there are lots of ideas out there about how to close gender gaps. And sometimes they're great ideas, they're well in, intended, but they're not backed up by evaluations or, or research. And so as economists, we made sure we prioritise an evidence-based approach um, to 
putting into practice um, WEN's mission. The Women in Economics Network, your WEN, has really been a major success. Would you be open to other professions coming to learn from you? Oh, absolutely, because this is a shared challenge. When we looked at the statistics for WEN's representation, for example, I mentioned that we had one third of economists and then we have around about 40% of people who hold an economics degree in Australia are female. And then we looked at how those percentages really taper off once you look at say professors in universities or higher ranks and it's actually quite similar to STEM so we we see that this um, gender inequity is it it prevails not just in economics but in 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 medicine and science as well so there's absolutely lessons that we can share uh, across our fields and and um, learn from each other I think um, the takeaways for us for when is it really is about um, achieving a critical mass. We're aware that in the past, in previous decades, there have been attempts to build something like when before, and they really struggled to maintain viability over time because they just didn't have the numbers to be able to sustain that. So I think we were fortunate that we have the technology now to just connect and amass a large number of people across all different states. So we just build that critical mass. Um, and it, then, then you've got a team to work collectively together. So it can't just hinge on a few people. It is about a team. And I think it's also about um, changing perceptions that are for the better for the profession. So it's about bringing men and allies along with us on the journey. So it's not seen as a threat or a change to men, but it's also how do we how do we basically improve our profession and and for the next generation of young male students, for example, like who are coming into economics, to make it normal for them to see a conference panel that is balanced to turn on the news and see female economists talking with male economists and for that just to be normal not the exception so I think we were playing the long game here to really think about whose perceptions do we want to change here not just the women in the field and not just the men in the field but that next generation of not just women but also that next generation of, of male students. And I think they're often left out of the picture. So that's why I highlight it here, because I think often when we think about what do we need to do for gender equality, we miss that particular um, cohort as well. So we did a, rain, a, range of, um, a range of initiatives that were really about that, that pipeline, but also encouraging more females into the profession, but also making sure we were looking after the, the women who were in the profession already sometimes a lot of the initiatives focus a lot on the attraction and outreach to schools which is super important and that can often mean that the women in the profession end up giving a lot of their time on a voluntary basis to help with that and it can take away from their experiences as well so we just want to make sure that we're looking after oh supporting um elevating giving voice and recognition um to, to the women who are in the profession. So the, really they're not doing anything wrong. It's just that they're not being recognised and elevated for their contributions, their capabilities, their achievements. Well, Dr. Reese, you seem to have one of the highest productivity levels of any economist in the country. I can't thank you enough for giving up your valuable time to chat with me on Dr. Rama today. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me on. Thank you.
You've been listening to Dr Rama, a podcast produced on Ngunnawal country by the Australian Medical Association. All rights reserved.